Well, good evening. It's good to be back after a couple of weeks. So before I dive into the gospel, I just want to take a moment to thank Bishop David and the clergy of the diocese, especially Monsignor Nolan, and the clergy and staff here at St. Paul, but especially you, the beautiful people of this parish, for your love and your prayers and your support given to me and my family these past few weeks as we've been mourning the death, tragic death of our three-year-old grandson, Julian. For during his short life, Julian, along with my other three grandchildren, have been the best teachers for me in how to see better, which is critical to understanding this week's gospel. See, it's no wonder Jesus was always inviting the children to come to him, because at these young ages, they, they carry a different level of mental and spiritual comprehension. For me, the wonder of watching them grow in their early months and years is how they look at everything with an open mind, what's called a beginner's mind. There's no judgments being made, and there's no egos to be fed, and there's no persona to create and maintain. They see things for what they are, and then they move on to gaze with awe and wonder and acceptance at the next tree or the next sunrise, the next person, the next piece of life, that comes before them. And all the while, they're acting as a conduit of God's love. See, we, on the other hand, we've greatly lost any sense of a beginner's mind. I guess you could say we have seasoned minds, seasoned by our upbringing, by our environment, by our preferences, our wounds, our own prejudices. Therefore, any new input or new sights or new sounds, or new words, they're all processed through our personal filters. I'm imagining this had to be one of the largest and busy, busy, biggest obstacles that Jesus faced in trying to teach his disciples about God's abundant love. See, scriptures tell us that Jesus, as far as we know, he never wrote any papers or any letters. So the early church had to rely heavily on this oral tradition. Stories were told and retold and passed down from generation to generation by word of mouth. That's why even today, with the written word in hand, storytelling and careful listening is still so important. It's one reason why we proclaim the readings. So the readings will be heard, and the readings will teach, and words will transform. Many Eastern religions, knowing that they were addressing seasoned minds, they knew that for the words and stories to transform, the teacher had to use literary devices that would somewhat rock your personal foundation, shatter your rose-colored glasses, in order to literally to get you to think outside the box. And so, like other teachers of his time, Jesus taught in parables. And when asked why, Jesus responded, because you look and you don't see. You hear, but you don't listen or understand. So throughout this summer, we've heard a number of parables, as told to us by Matthew, that have challenged us to think differently. The sower and the seeds, the weed and the wheat, the birds and the mustard plant, the yeast and the unleavened bread. And at times, I think many of us I think we would have preferred to have scripture that was a little bit more black and white, 
just allowing us to skip these somewhat confusing parables. Christ knew that he was not speaking to those who have a beginner's mind. Rather, his gospel is being heard by those of us who are rather set in our ways, lacking the ability to see, to listen, and to understand. For parables force us to be uncomfortable, to be challenged, to step out of what we think we know in order to be open to change and to be more like the little ones in our life. So this weekend, the gospel gives us one of the more rattling parables where Jesus describes the kingdom of heaven, which for Matthew, it's simply, it's simply another code name for God's love. So in short, at first glance, what we just heard was a story akin to this half of the church began working early in the day, and this half of the church worked only an hour, and at the end of the day, we all got paid the same amount of money. And with that, at least half of us would be screaming, unfair. I mean, after all, in our Western culture, since when is it fair that a person who works all day and a person who works an hour gets paid the same wage? But make no mistake, this gospel has nothing to do with fair wages or labor discrimination. Rather, it's just about Jesus describing that God's love is a gift freely given and not something we can earn. For the kingdom of God is not a matter of reward, but a matter of rejoicing in the fact that we're all invited into the reign of God. The first as well as the last, the faithful as well as the sinner, and those with a beginner's mind as well as us with seasoned minds. For in the parable, the landlord was generous on several occasions with different people. With the first group, he was just. With the second group, he was just and generous. And by the third group, he was just more generous. In short, the landlord gave freely his gift of love and generosity. Our challenge is that we focus so much of our energy on the perceived unfairness and how the wages were paid that we miss the whole lesson of the description of God's love. For it is parables like this one that resonate with our season's mind may take us to those places where we want to cry out, life is not fair. For since we were very young and moved away from our beginner's mind, we often get trapped into this fairness issue. So those in the early years may ask themselves, well, why do I have to wear my COVID mask? Or why do I have to take out the garbage? Or why do I have to do the homework? But as we age, Questions dig deeper into our souls with cries more like, why do I have cancer? Why do I wrestle with addiction? Why do I feel abandoned? Or for me personally, why did my grandson die? But of course, these deeper questions have no answers. And we find ourselves simply saying, life is not fair. But many times when we feel we have a fairness issue, I think we need to look within ourselves. For I believe we'll find a place where we're wounded and where we're hurt and where we feel disconnected from ourselves and from others and even from God. Most often we can't control the events that take place in our lives. They just happen. 
but we can control how we will respond. Versus running from our pain and crying unfair, we need to go to that inner place and be still. We need to go back to using a beginner's mind and remove our filters of how we judgmentally process life events. We need to stop measuring what we have by pointing out what others have or don't have. We need to stop playing the scapegoat and recognize none of us are perfect. And instead, we need to accept the deeper message in this gospel that we are all loved by a generous God who embraces all of us just as we are. You know, when I was writing this, I wonder, like, what would happen to our families, to our communities, to our country, if we just stopped defining others by their race or their creed or their politics or their sexual orientation and taking a page from Pope Francis this week and using a beginner's mind, just saw the other person as a child of God. I think if we did that, I think we would find the grace and the strength to let go of our own pain and hurts and allow us to follow the example, not of the vineyard workers who complained of the generosity of the landlord, but rather of our God who is more generous and more loving and more forgiving than we can possibly ever comprehend. So I invite you over the coming weeks to call to and embrace the little ones in your life. Take the time to learn from them how to better see, better hear, and better love. For if we do that, then maybe, just maybe, you and I will begin to remember and understand God's gift of unconditional love. Love that can't be earned. Love that's always present. (laughs) And in the words of my beloved Julian, love that is so much for every time.